0: It's reminiscent of all the times that i well good morning, everybody. Uh we are here for the second pot podcast. Um because Pastor Strina and I are not coffee drinkers, she's drinking tea. I'm drinking diet dew, but we are both being caffeinated. So we hope that you have your second pot on. Um, and together we will talk about what's going on in the life of the church and uh, what we talked about uh, in in the, our Sunday service this past week, and go forward. So we talked about yesterday how when Jesus was on the cross, um, he cried out the words, "My God, My God, why have you forsaken me?" Of course, he did in Aramaic, not English, but you get the idea. Um, and you know, we talked about how historically. Um, A lot of people saw that as just this cry of desperation, that the father had turned his back on the son. Um, But that in light of what we know about um, the rabbinical tradition in Judaism, that probably isn't the best reading. Um, So something that we know is true about the rabbinical tradition is that The Psalms, while also being numbered 1, 2, 3, 4, and so on, also are known by their first line. Um, So, the Psalm 22 first line is, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? For every good little Jewish boy and girl there at the foot of the cross, they would have understood that this is not just a dying man's cry of... Uh, despair while on the cross Um, but that this is a call to worship this is a call to remember um, the promises of Psalm 22 and chances are they sang it Um, there was a musical setting for the book of Psalms Um, so likely there as Jesus breathed his last on the cross Those who were around him were singing the words of Psalm 22. And this is a tradition that that still goes on. Um, Our hymnal, the United Methodist hymnal.
1: The best hymnal in the world.
0: All uh, 700-some hymns, um, about 97% of them are named for the first line of the hymn. So if we randomly turn here, hymn number 451. Be thou my vision. What is the first line? Be thou my vision, O Lord of my heart. Uh, another one. Uh, number 563. Father, we thank you. What's the first line of the hymn? Father, we thank you. Uh, number 670. Go forth for God. Pastor Serena, do you want to take a guess at what the first line of hymn number 670
1: is? Go forth for God?
0: Go forth for God. You got it. I'm
1: glad So this, this is...
0: Um, you know, this is, this is the best way that we've come to understand what Jesus is doing on the cross here. The way that Jesus has used his knowledge and the, the planting of the Psalms into his own heart um, to lead uh, the community around him in proper worship, even as he
1: dies. So, this brings up kind of the first question for today, if, if I may be so bold. Um, so a lot of us have sat under teaching, either from a pastor or a teacher that says, when Jesus cried out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? That this is evidence that Father God turned his back on God the Son because God the Son was bearing the sins of the world. And I do not think that I would say that is not true. However, In my head, when I was learning this, I thought, gosh, that doesn't sound like God, my father. Because in scripture, God himself says, I'm compassionate, I'm merciful. Uh, John's epistle says, God is love. Um, And then you have the thing where uh, the psalmist writes, where can I flee from your presence? So it always has struck me as very odd that in this moment, God would turn his back, God the Father would turn his back on God the Son. So when we, when we hear something like that, and it sounds like God's character isn't matching up, what would be your advice for for us folk who are wondering and struggling with, with what we hear from either a pulpit or read in a book or hear from a video? Well,
0: I think the first thing to point out there is that this is the work of the Holy Spirit within us. Right. Um, As we have Mm -hmm. uh, done the difficult work of discipleship to uh, better understand who God is, um, so that when we hear things just don't sound right, we should pay attention to it. Yeah. Um, We should pay attention to uh, the voice of the Spirit within us going, I don't know so much about that. Um, And that should draw us into. studying it should uh, have us ask questions um, either go to someone who uh, we trust to uh, help us better understand what's going on in the context of the scripture um, go to you know commentaries um, and I think what what we find more often than not is that um, when we see these these, Moments where it seems like God is doing something that's out of character, um, there's something more going on there. Um, so even, you know, we think back to the giving of the law, and we see, um, you know, God saying that, uh, you know, the sins of the Father are carried out for three and four generations. You know, our first sort of impulses, oh, that doesn't seem right you just seem... said
1: you're merciful and yeah, compassionate yeah this this what like come on
0: mm-hmm. um but as we you know go and and look at more closely you know in the context there are two things going on there one we see um god saying yeah there's there are consequences to sin that play out for three or four generations mm-hmm. but the consequences to faithfulness is a thousand generations of blessing. So one of the things that that the writer of Exodus wants us to understand about God is that while God's correction can be painful, it is completely dwarfed by the exponential way that God's blessings are poured out. Um, And if we are to believe people who understand the Hebrew language a whole lot better than you or I, even that language of being punished for three or four generations, it is the language of, of consequences. Mm-hmm. Um, it isn't so much that, you know, God gets his feelings hurt, you know, so pulls out a hammer and just hammers three and four generations. Um, it's more a yeah. warning that once you start down these patterns of sinful behavior, they become cycles that are difficult for generations of your family to break. Um, which I think, you know, plays right into what we, what we see in our own lives. That there are patterns of behavior that for generations we can go back and be like, oh yeah, my dad did that.
1: Mm-hmm. And my granddad
0: did that. And my great granddad did that.
1: This is a good opportunity for a shameless plug of emotionally healthy spirituality and emotionally healthy relationships. Mm-hmm. Relationships is part two of that uh, course by pastor and author Pete Scazzaro and actually just this past week in our class we did a genogram which helps you look, look at the pattern of relationship and um, things like alcoholism or mental health issues that run in your family mm-hmm. because yeah usually those patterns repeat themselves. I think we may have gotten off course though. So, so the prompting of the Holy Spirit tells you something's not in sync. Um, I was just thinking about this as we're sitting here. You know, I was raised Baptist, and in the Baptist Church, um, you brought your Bible and you like write in it. Baptists love the Bible, like I love the Bible, uh, but we are not afraid, mm-hmm. we Baptists are not afraid to mark that sucker up, right? Um, so I don't know that I ever caught that Jesus's cry Was to Psalm 22. And had it been pointed out that this was Psalm 22, like the good Baptist I was and the part of uh, the Baptist tradition I carry with me, probably would have flipped right there during church to Psalm 22 and read that whole thing, right? Like, so say, can you think of other places where we can cross check and look at things in context?
0: Are there other? Oh, I mean, I think it's all over the place. Um, you know, so we have uh, one of the the myths that continues to play itself out um, was that it was sexual sin that brought about the destruction of Sodom and Gomorrah.
1: Oh, you're going there. Excellent. I mean,
0: why not? Right. It's a good one. Um, you know this this has been a passage that's been abused for years Um, but every time we see Sodom and Gomorrah referenced throughout the rest of Scripture there is no reference to the sexual activity of the city
1: Hmm.
0: it's about a lack of hospitality, it's Hmm. about a lack of doing uh, this central um, duty and and nobility um, that you know, was experienced by the descendants of Abraham and led to to the destruction of the cities. Um so I mean even you know that's just one example and I mean in in line with that you know I think that the the danger that um even as we hear things that don't sound right is sometimes the things don't sound right still are right. Mm -hmm. Right? Um so and this is this is where the the benefit of being in a community is huge um, because I can read all sorts of stuff in scripture and be like I don't like that clearly the Holy Spirit doesn't like it either <laughs> I'm just like it doesn't mean uh-huh. what it says mm-hmm. um, and that's you know like that's that is that's a pretty dangerous place to, to, to get um, so here's where in community you know, as we read things that don't sit right, um, the community helps us determine if it is the Spirit speaking within us to say, "Yeah, that's not what it means. Dig deeper." The Spirit or, is in the
1: Holy Spirit. Yes. Not our own.
0: Um, or if it's, yeah, this is a broken part of you, Caleb, that 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 God wants to transform. Um, and yeah, and that, that only happens in community. We are, uh, we have a, a, a really small likelihood of getting it right if we are the popes of our own lives. If we are trying to um, determine how everything we read that doesn't sit right, whether it is not sitting right because it is, um, there's a contextual thing that we don't understand, or whether it's not sitting right because we're just unrepentant um, in that particular area.
1: I was so excited last night at our youth group. Uh, We were talking about obeying God's laws and what that looks like. And I said, you know, what do you think are obstacles to us obeying God's law or being confused about what God's law is? Because Jesus said, the first and greatest commandment is to love the Lord your God. The second is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. And one of the students said, sometimes we think that all we need is the Bible. And there are so so many laws that we get confused. Mm -hmm. And I was like, yes! You also need your fellow Christians at the church to help you understand! Uh, So yeah, there's something to be said, right? For like bringing your Bible to church, doing the Baptist thing, marking it up, Mm -hmm. Um, but also not neglecting the need of
0: the community well and one of the the great things about being a part of the church is that our our fellow christians aren't just the fellow christians here at trinity it's not just fellow united methodists it's not even just fellow you know uh orthodox confessional christians around the world we have two thousand years of church history and the saints who've gone before us who've wrestled with these same questions that help us make sense of what's going on. And if we fail to embrace that reality, we're really missing out on a gift.
1: Amen. Um, you were sharing about, you know, God's provision in our lives, and you talked about this land that you and Cindy now own and how you've been going out and uh, hoping to catch a deer. And by catch a deer, you mean kill a deer so you can eat it. So the question, the, the question is, oh, come on. The question is, when you told us that you got a deer, how did Pastor Caleb get the deer?
0: Not with my car, as some of you have suggested. <laughs> um, did you
1: dig a big hole? Just kind of walked, right? No?
0: You know, I uh, so what had happened was um, the wind was blowing from the west. And... Um, all the uh, uh, hunting YouTube videos I've watched say you walk into the wind mm-hmm. so they can't smell you.
1: Yeah,
0: I think it's a little offensive that they assume I smell so bad that the deers could could yeah. smell me. But whatever, I don't think so. that's
1: that's the point. But that might just be your inner broken Caleb being worried. Go ahead. You know,
0: so I you know I walked into the wind really slowly, trying to see anything. Um, there's still a little snow on the ground, so. Uh, you know, I was able to find you know these uh, these sort of oval spots where they'd been taking a nap and, and tracks coming in and out and um, you know so I kind of followed the tracks uh, up sort to the northwest corner of uh, of our woods um, and the tracks crossed the property line and I said well okay that's not gonna work um, but uh, like I said on Sunday um, Cindy got the boys and I this. Uh, camouflage tent thing which uh, on Sunday Ben leaned over to Cindy and said it's called a blind doesn't he know that
1: (laughs) Ben is awesome (laughs) yes
0: so I went and I I sat in the blind um, and you know I just tried to sit there quietly and still and um, one of the things that I've really enjoyed about you know these past you know, seven weeks out in the woods. Is that I can throw a, a commentary in my bag, and I can just go out and read. Um, so I I probably do about fifty percent of my sermon prep. You know, sitting out in the woods, which is wonderful. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, cardinals fly by. By the way, cardinals fly violently. Like there is nothing like graceful about cardinal flight. Like it sounds like a helicopter landing, <laughs> <Just> <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, but they're beautiful, right? So I would. Well, the males to, are. I want The uh,
1: females. females are too. Oh,
0: that that beautiful sort of light brown with red tips. Oh. Um. But anyway, we're getting off. off, off we
1: topic. are. How'd you kill that kill that deer?
0: So uh, what had happened was I, I looked at my phone and um, it was. Almost sundown in the state of Ohio, you are allowed to legally take a shot with your bow and arrow thirty minutes after sundown. Mm-hmm. So I said to myself, "Oh man, it's getting dark. I need to start packing my stuff up." So I'm kind of, you know, putting my commentary back in the bag and, you know, getting getting my blanket folded back up, making all sorts of noise. Bag. I was doing it pretty quietly. Okay. Still. Okay. Um, and then I kind of looked up and looked out the window, and there, about 60 yards down the trail that I was sitting on, came two little does. And I'm thinking, ooh,
1: ooh,
0: ooh this is new? This is new? I, I don't, I haven't, haven't had this happen before. So I sat there as still as I could. And they walked a little closer, and then one of them kind of peeled off and went down the hill. But one was still walking right towards me, and I'm like, ooh. Mm-hmm. I think this might be happening. I think this might be happening. So, so, so I took my gloves off, you know, and I'm sitting there. Um, and when the little doe's made about 20 yards away, I hear from behind me where I can't see crunch, <gasps> crunch, crunch, crunch. And around the corner comes this bigger doe, probably wow. like 50% bigger than the two little ones. And in my mind, I'm thinking, all right, it's getting dark, I have to drag this thing back to the cabin. <laughs> I'm taking a little one. So, you know, the little one is uh, broadside, which means like its head is here and its backside uh-huh. is here and I can see its rib cage. Yeah. And the big one is facing right towards me. So I pull up my bow, I start to pull back and the big one's head looks right at me.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So I... <laughs> Not even here, not even here.
1: You are nothing.
0: So the big one puts her head back down. And I start again, she looks right at me. Not even here, not even here. You don't see anything. She puts her head back down. I get it all the way back. At this point, they're both looking at me and the big one's stomping its foot. They're not happy. And I mean, I have, like they are both like face on towards me. So I don't have a shot, but they're, you know, 12 or 15 yards away. The big one stomped in its foot. The little one looks irritated. The little one kind of darts out of my view to the right. I say, okay, that is what it is. The big one turns her head to watch the little one go, gives me just enough window and blotch.
1: You know what this was about, don't you? That was the mama deer.
0: No, There was, was, was just three friends.
1: She'll still be delicious, but I'm just saying. I mean,
0: they were, they were just friends. Okay. They are just friends after, you know, getting, yeah. Yeah. Um, but anyway, so, so shot goes off. I see it go through. I said, that looks like where I've been aiming on the target. I think it's going to be okay. You know, it kind of spins off and runs down the hill. Mm. Um so I put put my bow down and and you have to wait, right? Because you know if you go out too soon, they'll take off and you'll never see them again. They'll you know go
1: somewhere else and lay down. They'll and go. You won't find yeah.
0: them. Um so I'm sitting there and I look out and I can see my arrow sticking up out of the snowbank. And uh, my arrow has white fletchings or feathers on the back Mm -hmm. and the fletchings are now red and I say that is a good sign that's
1: Mm -hmm. a good
0: sign Mm -hmm. Um, and then I see one of the little deer you know come across the trail and down the hill and then about 10 seconds later she is bolting back across the trail up the ridge like
1: this is not where I want to be right now
0: and I said I think that's a good sign too Mm -hmm. whatever she found down there she didn't like Mm -hmm. um so, you know, I waited about another 10 or 15 minutes, got all my stuff finished in my bag, went out, picked up the arrow, found little spots of blood. Then, you know, eventually there she was down close to the creek. Awesome. And then the hard part happened. Oh, we don't want to talk yeah. about
1: this. No, I, you know what? Like I am all for hunting. I just, I never want to do field dressing. Like, I, I just don't want to that,
0: do it. I mean, like, that was difficult, but, like, the, the, it's the up. dragging, mm-hmm. That,
1: mm-hmm. you know,
0: down the hill, over the creek, up the hill, around, yeah.
1: But you could not just leave that deer line there. That is good meat.
0: The coyotes would have had a field
1: day. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And you, yeah. All right. Well, that's. I think that's what we needed to know, though, because like in my head, I'm seeing Caleb laying on the ground with a rifle. I'm like, no, that doesn't. And then I'm seeing Caleb with a bow, and I'm like, that's probably more like it. But you didn't say.
0: I'm. I'm like condor man. Guns scare me.
1: Or like you keep talking about cavemen. We didn't have guns. Cavemen didn't have guns.
0: I mean, I have been called worse. <laughs> <So>. <laughs>
1: calling you that you were talking about cavemen yesterday so i was like i can't i can't reconcile gun with your caveman story yeah. so
0: well that and you know gun season's been over for it
1: has but
0: six weeks in ohio and,
1: but i don't know that lots of people know yeah.
0: that well i i didn't know it till you know six weeks ago yeah right yeah i mean it's it's weird right like i had um you know up until about three months ago i had no desire to hunt whatsoever just had no interest um, yeah, just had a, but I mean, it, it, it was, it was strange in that, um, you know, I talked a little bit about this on Sunday, like so many things that are outside of my control had to happen that the little tiny bit that I did control,
1: mm-hmm. it's like,
0: I just felt like I was part of a process that was way bigger than me.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Like it was such a human feeling, um, such a, a, a feeling of recognizing, you know, my smallness in the scope of creation.
1: Um, Honestly, as a suburbanite now, like this is what I fear suburban culture misses out on, right? Mm-hmm. Like I was raised in Southeast Ohio where you plant, uh, your crops may or may not work. You've got to you've got to figure out how to keep your crops without the deer eating them. Uh, lots of people hunt. Um, there is there's that connection to the land that you know you just don't get here. Um, but that's I'm why sure-
0: everyone should have a garden, even if it's a small garden in a window box of your yeah. apartment. You know, trying to trying to see something grow that you can't force to grow. And then getting to eat it—it's
1: amazing. It's good for the soul. It is. It is. All right. Excellent. That was a fun. That was fun story. Thank you. It was a good time. Now people know. Congratulations on your first deer. By the way. Thank you. If you make deer jerky. No, text me. Don't call me.
0: I mean, I'll, I'll probably just leave some on your desk. <laughs> yes. All right. So, Serena, do you have any uh, grievances to air?
1: Grievances? Um, no, I do want to say this, though, for the record about Sodom and Gomorrah, jumping back to that. Yes, Sodom and Gomorrah, horrible hospitality, right? They did not love others. And we know that when you don't love others, you can't love God. Lots of bad things happening. But let's, let's go ahead and address the fact that uh, they asked for someone to come out of the house. There was sexual sin there. Oh, undoubtedly. But yes, I'm with you. That wasn't, I don't think that's what led to the fall of those cities. I mean, there had to be a lot of evil. Well, there.
0: I mean it was it was the most radical um the most radical departure from what was expected. Mm. Right? Like the expectation is you have a traveler, a wayfaring stranger that comes into your community. You treat them like their family.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Instead, I mean, they completely abused yes. the, the wayfaring stranger. Yes. Um, and I mean this is you know, even going back to last week and this discussion of you know how we're supposed to treat foreigners, you know, what it looks like to be hospitable. In inviting to those who are not part of your kin group, your family, your community, what have you, um, however you identify yourself, how do you treat those who aren't you? Um, is is a big measure of how God viewed the righteousness of His people.
1: Yes. Um, and wanting and- to sexually assault the foreigner is not the way you do this. You know, it's not, it's really not, not. it's it's not,
0: it's not, it's not, yeah,
1: that's not it. But even in our day-to-day life, right, like, how we understand our responsibility to care for, I hate to call people the other, right, but the stranger among us, um, yeah, you can't, Scripture says this, and I think it's true, as soon as you start, failing to love people, your ability to love God, well, your whole ability to love is just diminished, right? It's true. So, excellent.
0: All right. Well, uh, hopefully you are to the bottom of your second pot now, and you are energized and juiced up and ready to rock and roll. Uh, If the second pot of coffee didn't do it for you, I encourage you to go back, read Psalm 22, If that doesn't have you ready to run through an ever-loving wall, I don't know what will.
1: Right? You slam that Bible. He has done it! And you're good to go for the day.
0: That's right. That's right. All right. Well, thank you. We'll uh, catch you later. We're praying for you. We love you. We'll see you.
1: You're not 5'6". I'm 5'6". You've got to be 5'7 or 8". You're a little taller than me, right? Thank you. You're welcome. Yeah. All right.